Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a growing network of people who believe the center of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, and that learning to take love seriously is vital for how we practice discipleship, mission, and leadership. The Gravity Leadership Podcast explores, in practical ways, how to root our lives and our leadership in this love that holds all of us and everything together. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. I'm Christy, and I'm here with my friend Matt and Ben. Hello, hello. Hey, guys. Hello, hello. Good to see you, Christy. It's good to see you, too. I missed you guys last week. You guys recorded one without me, and I was... uh, The show must go on, Christy, even if you are speaking at big... uh, you're, you're becoming like a big celebrity. Speaking yeah, of big what events. were you doing that, last week, that, Christy? You what know I what? I had so much fun. I was at <laughs> well, Spring do? Arbor University, okay. and they have a leadership retreat for their student leaders before everyone starts back to school. And I um, was a speaker for it on Thursday and Friday. Got mm. to speak four times, and wow. you guys, it was so life giving to me. It was so fun. I love those students. They ask such great questions, good conversation. And mm. honestly, uh, the Holy Spirit did some really cool things that is not about me. It's just That's awesome. God decided to work. And so, but it's super fun to be a part of. But mm. I did miss my my cohort. I, I have a cohort on Thursday nights and uh, so I had to cancel because I was speaking at that time. And mm. I, you know, I've only known these people for three months or so, four months yeah. maybe. And I really missed them. I was like, mm. oh my goodness, I can't go two weeks without seeing them. Thankfully, we're on a text thread with everybody and they could all keep me updated. But um, yeah, <laughs> I guess cool. I, for anyone who's listening who isn't a part of a cohort and you're thinking about being a part of one, I can say that the community that mm. is built in mm. in a cohort um, is really beautiful. And mm. I love how it's growing specifically in this one on Thursdays. Um that's because great. they care about me. In fact, yeah. they care about me so much. I, I think we talked about um, before uh, COVID was in my house, and I said, don't send yes. me letters and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, um, in, the, in the midst of that, my cohort sent me money, like Venmoed me money. They all went what? together to what? give me dinner so I didn't have to cook one night. Um, mm. You guys, my church didn't even do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Not to throw that. So loved. I know. I just threw my church under the bus. No, that's great. Um, I felt really loved. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. I, I do think. 
that oftentimes <laughs> happens in the in these cohorts. I mean, uh, Christy's talking about a Gravity Leadership Academy cohort, mm-hmm. and um, it is uh, unique in that way that I think oftentimes uh, people do get to know one another really well and care for each other. Um, they do kind of become little, I don't know, temporary churches, if you will. Um, yeah. So anyway, I'm really glad for that. I mean, yeah. your your cohort sounds especially awesome. Kind of makes me want to join yours. I know. Come on over. <laughs> I've got another group I am usually leading on Thursday nights, though. So yeah, we'll see if I can get out of it. Is there, is there a COVID update, Christy? Everybody, how's everybody doing? Yeah, Alexander went back to work today. Woo-hoo. Okay, and I'm super excited. Um, he's not coughing anymore, and he's healthy. And um, yeah, so yeah, everyone's for those who kids don't know are, who's Alexander. Yeah, sorry. He um, he is like, you know, a, an adopted kid. He lives in our basement. But to mm-hmm. say a, the guy who lives in our basement <laughs> kind of sounds crazy. Everybody has um, one of those. Yeah. Man, he has a piece of my heart. You know, yeah. he's um, he's a 22 year old college student, and um, and very much a part of our family. And mm. um, he got COVID and um, was pretty sick, and so. Yeah, but he's Doing better, better now. And, yeah, That's thankful. It's really good yeah. news. Well, today we are uh, we get to hear Melinda Joy Mingo. You guys remember she joined oh, yeah. us. Mm-hmm. Um, what a delight! What a delight she is. Yes, uh, in yes. fact, to the I think Lovely. I don't even know if I said on this podcast, but after the podcast, I was like, we need to meet for coffee because we're in the same city, <laughs> and uh, I'm like, we need to be friends, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's it was just really fun to get to know her, to hear her heartbeat. And um, and to be challenged by her boldness and bravery, and yeah. Um, yeah. she's a little firecracker. She, yeah, she she's unlike. <laughs> I don't know. She's unlike uh, any other guest. I mean, everybody's you know unlike any other guest we've had. But like her, especially, sort of like just kind of outside our normal. I don't know guest box. If I guess if we have one, uh, which I really appreciated. She was uh, she was a lot of fun. Said some things that you know just were delightfully surprising to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. including inviting us uh, to a second podcast, which will come out later this week. It was like a this bonus a f- podcast that she invited yes. us to. This is the uh, first time like, a guest has yeah. done this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's like this. I appreciate the invite. Thank you for setting the table and asking me questions. Now I'd like to set the table and ask you some questions. Do you guys want to, <laughs> do you guys want to talk to me? And yes. she wasn't talked to, she wasn't, she just wanted to talk to us. She just wanted to yeah. host a conversation. She just wanted to get yeah. to know us. And we were like, well, why don't we record it as an example of how uh, Melinda's a, a person of color and so how a person of color sort of sets the table for some white people to ask some questions. And so anyway, it was it was super interesting Yeah, um, I liked to have it. her invite us to do that. And then later in the week, uh, we'll, we'll release that episode where she asks us some questions and reflects with us about our answers to those questions. It was really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get in. Let's hear. Here we go. Dr. Melinda Joy Mingo, welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Yes. Uh, Melinda Joy is an ordained minister, a professor, a cultural capacity expert, which I need to ask about what that is. I've never heard of that before. Uh, And an entrepreneur. She's founded the uh, uh, Genii International Ministry and Significant Life Change, Inc., and she develops multicultural initiatives uh, here in the States and abroad and has a PhD in global leadership an honorary doctorate in urban transformative leadership. Uh, Melinda Joy, anything else we need to know about you? Let's see. So the, I will say for the cultural capacity piece, I'll just say that. I use that term because I do training with law enforcement. So I train the police and the hmm. sheriff's department in our county and in our region, the state of Colorado. And so I didn't want to use anti-bias. So I use cultural capacity training. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. So, so, so how did you get into, you, you, you train police officers yes. to, uh, I would imagine what is uh, the antithesis of anti-bias would be to increase their cultural capacity. Is that what you're doing? Yes. It's uh, so it's more of the 
the thought of how do our law enforcement now, in light of what's going on in society, the fragmentation between law enforcement, and especially communities of color, especially, um, how do just some of us in the community who are leaders um, help our law enforcement people to be more mindful of how their how community policing looks is what it is. How yes. community community policing, um, how to relate while still uh, enforcing the law as well. And what's your experience with the police forces there in Colorado? Are they do they are these some of the things they have to do? They have to bring you in, and so they sort of sit through it and take it in, or or do you find like a really open sort of interested receptive audience? You know, a little bit of both. So I would definitely be honest that, um, <laughs> <laughs> again, so the reason what, why I'm brought in is because I do a lot of DEI, which is diversity, equity, and inclusion training. I mean, it used to just be called diversity training. So I do a lot of that in our community and kind of and around the nation. And so I have volunteered with law enforcement for years to try to be a bridge between especially the black community here in Colorado Springs, um, because we had an incident that happened where a young man was sh um, shot seven times in the back. It became a national mm -hmm. news piece uh, a year and a half ago, totally fragmented our community, separated. I mean, people who were getting along, you know, just, just fragmented. And so I was invited by the, the sheriff's office to come in and just be that bridge person between the community. And um, so will people accept that who are getting ready in law enforcement every morning, putting on a uniform, and that when they go out, the first call they get might be um, someone who's walking the streets with a rifle, mm -hmm. whereas some of us, our first call is going into a cubicle. So no, a lot of in law enforcement people thought it's going to be the same old thing. You know, we have this diversity training, shame and blame kind of thing. And, you know, black people are saying that whites are the problem or whatever. And so what I've tried to do in the training is to bring the part of humanity in here that regardless of the fact. if So our mission here for law enforcement is to protect and serve. And so I always go in and say, we, you don't get to choose who you protect or who you serve. You don't get to pick and choose. And you have to think still while doing your job, what are some ways that you are engaging in communities of color that is bringing about this whole phenomenon where people are so afraid of you every time your car pulls up behind them, where people are literally terrified. We have little kids sitting on the curb going, are they going to shoot me? Mm -hmm. So my role is to go into um, a big law enforcement pool here people working in the jails, et cetera, and to help bring an awareness and understanding of what the community feels. You might not understand why, but let me bring to you an awareness of the perception and how can we together at least disseminate a little bit of that perception. Mm. You know, it's interesting. You're talking about your community there in Colorado Springs. I'm joined by Ben Sternke, who's here in Fishers with me, Fishers, Indiana, suburb of Indianapolis, and Christy Penley, who is in Colorado Woo! Springs. Come on, oh, MJ, oh, we're neighbors. We're neighbors. We we're neighbors? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> i got to be careful what I say. No, oh, I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm thankful for what you're doing. Our yeah. city needs it. Our city needs it. Yes, yeah. we do. You well, know. Yes. That little snapshot of, like, part of the work that you do, Melinda Joy, seems to be then a picture of this book you've written called The Colors of Culture, The Beauty of Diverse friendships. So one of those diverse friendships is you being sort of a quote friend of the police department. Um, and I, I guess throughout your book, you, you sprinkle these uh, anecdotal interactions with people who have really divergent views from you. And I guess I just want to, I want to start our conversation by asking you, like, how did you get so many diverse friends. Like, how does that happen? <laughs> so, you know, so um, I'll just say I grew up in inner city Chicago and I grew up in this uh, beautiful project or housing community called Cabrini Green. I don't know if any of you heard oh, of yeah. it. Oh, yeah. You remember that? Yeah. So I do. Yeah, good times was filmed. I literally lived right across the street from Cooley High School. Yeah. Yes. So, just in a snapshot, I grew up in a totally black community. My father was killed by a white man. Mm -hmm. um, 
eight weeks after I was born. And so my mom was so traumatized. My father did nothing. And she had a new baby. Yeah. And my mom was traumatized, so traumatized that she gave me away to a couple. She didn't keep me. My family yeah. grew up in Gary, Indiana. I have five brothers and sisters. And so we hobnobbed in Indianapolis and Gary. But my mom was traumatized. So she gave me away. I grew up. And so she gave me away to a couple that lived in uh, Cabrini Green. So I grew up in um, this kind of quad of never have seen a picture of my dad, uh, separate from my family because of trauma of my father being killed. Mm. My mom not understanding why uh, someone would take a life of a person just walking across the road. Mm. And so through that, I became so angry with white people. Mm. I have a, you know, my, there's a story of redemption, but I was so angry. And I was just like, I'm so tired of um, seeing the disparities in life and to hear people say, oh, just get over it. Everything's equal. The playing field is equal. And I'm like, but it's not. You're looking at Oprah Winfrey and you're looking at Michael Jordan. You're looking at people in entertainment. So it's equal for them at a moment where they've accomplished something for you know, a little bit. But for the rest of us, you know, it's not. And so I became so angry. And I, I believe that part of, I will say, part of this book evolved out of God really healing my heart uh, and saying that the white person is the enemy. Mm. And then as I grew up um, in Chicago, um, I had so many situations, even one particular uh, situation where I went for a job um, interview and it was my, it was my dream job. I, and, and, I had a guy tell me out of 500 applicants, I was number three. And he said, you won't get this because you're a black woman. And number one, you don't have blonde hair and blue eyes. And he said, okay, just go ahead and, and do an EO discrimination suit against me. But none of my people will really relate to you. It's not that you're not a smart woman, Melinda Joy, but you don't fit the bill that what we need nationally we need a either a white male or a white woman representing our company. And so for that reason, you made it through 500 of these, but you will not succeed. And so I say all that to say in my book, I'm really raw about my journey because I think a lot of times when she accomplished something, whatever it may be, people just, they capture that. But I've had a journey behind the story. And, and part of it has been a redemptive, a redemptive story of so much pain that I've lived through, you know, in life. And at some point, then I can just say the diverse relationships came as God healed my heart as I experienced the death of my husband. Um, mm -hmm. Just a journey of us moving to a new city. And a few months after we moved here, Colorado Springs, Christy, as mm -hmm. soon as we moved, my husband died a few months after we moved here, cancer. Oh, I'm sorry. And so here I, again, another painful thing, but the people who befriended me were not African-Americans. They didn't look like me. They didn't grow up in Cabrini Green. It was a Vietnamese couple who could barely speak English, who came, um, I was on the sidewalk bawling. I'm like, I'm so depressed. I just feel like my life continually spirals. They befriended me. And so from that point, um, and I'll stop here for other you know, questions. But from that point, God began to um, allow me to learn so much about humanity and love and how we so polarize ourselves because of race or ethnicity. And when we really get down to the point of the heartfelt need of people, that we can reach people heart to heart, no matter what their background mm -hmm. is, if we're willing to meet them where they are. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you for sharing with us. Um, I have not read your book and I, I'm publicly kind of shaming myself for that. So I'm sorry for that. I've been, in, I've been in class for the last two weeks and it's like for school and I'm like, that's all I can do is just read my school book. But now I'm like, I want to read your book. I want to yes. hear more stories yeah. because there it, it, there's something refreshing about your authenticity and your realness that I need to hear. Like I need that in my life. I want to hear the stories. So thank you for sharing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like then Melinda Joy sort of your, this wasn't super strategic for you. This wasn't a project for you. This was you dealing with your own anger 
and grief, and God put people in your life that sort of rehumanized or made it made it uh, opened your heart to people that maybe typified who you were angry at. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that rehumanized. That's it, Matt. Um, he did, and um, yeah, so he he just put people in my life that rehumanized me, and then he began to show me, Melinda Joy, you've allowed your circumstances, you've allowed your pain in life, your journey in life, everything that you've seen caused you to become a bitter woman, and uh-huh. so do I have reasons? Maybe, I don't know, but do I have reasons to treat everybody that I meet as if they are the reason why my experiences have been what they are. And mm-hmm. it's not true. You know what I mean? We group of, it's like people when they stereotype folks in mm-hmm. a culture, they group everybody, lump everybody together. And that's mm-hmm. why we've got such a mess. And, mm-hmm. and for me in our society, I believe authenticity and transparency is going to get us to some real places. And so even in my book, I start with a story of, about how people ask me, well, why what, what, why did you connect with law enforcement? I mean, that's just one group. And um, I said, because when I got married, my husband had just come out of prison and mm-hmm. he had his bag of clothes sitting beside him and he was so judged. But we had people from law enforcement who helped him when he was stranded on the side of the road. We had people who loved on him. And so we don't hear the stories of humanity. We hear the stories all the time of separation. We hear the stories of what people don't do well. Or either we hear the stories of people saying, um, just get over it. We're so tired of all this stuff. We've got another thing. And so my journeys in life, I mean, I joined an organization here. I won't call the name of it. And I became the... um, director of intercultural training. And so that job uh, allowed me to travel all over the world, Matt and Ben and Christy. It, mm. it, I literally, during my grief, I'm uh, sorry, my husband, my first assignment was to, to, to stay on the Navajo reservation and do leadership training in Chinle, Arizona. So for three years, I was coming and going um, on, an, on a Navajo reservation, learning about people, learning about how to love folks who didn't look like me or whatever. And my mom is was Native American. She died. My father was African American, but I don't look Native American. And so God just allowed me to be there. He sent me to the Sudan, you know, I worked in a medical clinic. I, mm. I saw pain and suffering. I was in Ethiopia. I spent three years in Japan. I was in Korea. I was in the jungles of South America doing leadership training. And so I came away with this, this moment of thinking, I want to write a book that that does not diminish the pain that people have lived. Yes. Because sometimes it's so easy to diminish that because uh, we haven't experienced experienced it. it. And so one thing I say Mm -hmm. is that um, my lived experiences or your lived experiences should not be diminished because I don't understand them. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to write a real book that talks about the journey of life but I wanted to just make it a balanced book, if I could say, about humanity and, and people. And we don't need to throw everybody out because of our experiences. Hey, everybody. Respero is uh, sponsoring in part uh, today's episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Respero seeks to bring healing to hurting people through life-changing conversations. Respero offers the opportunity to be trained as a lay counselor, which enables you to provide help to people in your churches or your communities. If you're interested in becoming a counselor or wondering if it might be a good fit, check out Respero's Understanding People course, the first step in joining Respero's counseling team. Founder Joe Bishop leads every cohort of counselors in training and continues to provide oversight once the courses are completed. Respero also offers an array of personal development courses and lessons covering topics ranging from anger and anxiety to codependency and spiritual abuse. If you're interested in learning more about how you relate to yourself and others, consider taking the Understanding Yourself course. You can find Respero on social media at Respero Restoring Hope or online at Respero.org. We'll hope you join them in their mission of bringing hope to a hurting and chaotic 
world. Man, this is important, I think, Ben, because mm-hmm. there are a ton of hurting people in our yeah. churches, yeah. and they need a safe place to be able to talk to people and to yeah. get help. And so I, I encourage our listeners, if that sparks your interest, um, yeah. check them out and uh, look up their information. And Yeah, there's a link to it in the show notes. Um, and I was just reflecting on... Um, talking with uh, founder Joe Bishop of Respero, um, who was saying that uh, one of the one of the things they want to do is to have to equip churches to be able to have teams of lay counselors so that um, when hurting people uh, kind of come come to pastors you don't have to just outsource like if all you're doing is sending people to other counselors you're outsourcing some of your most important work yeah. um, and there's a lot of work that can be done by a lay counselor you don't yeah. need to be a trained therapist to do everything you know that oftentimes people get um, sent away to other places to do and so so I think it's a really good program it's a really good course and so if you're interested in that or um, if you're a pastor and you are interested in maybe having some folks in your church trained as lay counselors check it out there's a link in the show notes we can just go to respero.org it's r-e-s-p-e-r-o dot o-r-g awesome This podcast is brought to you by Gravity Leadership Academy, our 10-month online training intensive for Christian leaders who want to root their life and leadership in God's love and bring lasting transformation to their culture. In Gravity Leadership Academy, you'll learn the real-life practicalities of how to notice God's presence and activity in and around you so you can participate more fully in God's life and mission and open up space for those around you to do so too. We've worked really hard to make this training in missional leadership practical and doable. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com slash academy. Uh, the, w- the way that you're approaching this, I think, is... Uh, seems to be seems to me to be much needed because I think in in some of what you're describing, I hear there's I hear two um, I don't know two ditches is maybe one way to think about it, but there's um, there's a way that you're doing kind of a both and thing that I think is really helpful. Where it would it would have been easy, as you said, for, to let your experiences sort of like script a narrative um, that was like permanent about you know, in your experience, white people, right. For, for, forever. Like this is, they're the enemy, um, over against them, mm. you know, that kind of thing. And that was the way to sort of honor and be honest about your pain. Yeah. Um, and, and by the same token, I hear from a lot of these predominantly white people, um, who want us to like, like, let's all just come together and let's mm-hmm. forget about all this pain. Like, why can't we all just get along? You know, these kinds of sentiments, but what they're doing is brushing the pain aside, right? What they're yes. doing is sort mm-hmm. of uh, setting aside the pain and saying, let's just get over it. You know, like we're, everybody's mm-hmm. fine. We're doing okay. Like, let's just, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. And, um, and I see you sort of taking this approach to say, no, we have to honor the pain. We have to listen to the pain. We have to, we have to be attentive to this. We have to listen. Um, and it doesn't mean we have to be enemies. Like right. both of those things at the same time, uh, I think is a crucial work right now. Yeah. And this is an interesting being, I think it's either for the most part, one or the other, you yeah. know, people dismissing it, just, yeah. you know, whatever, get over it. You know, even, mm-hmm. you know, I won't go into critical race theory right now, <laughs> you know, that whole thing. I won't, yeah. <laughs> but, but again, I'm like, most people don't even understand right. the whole premise that we're just trying to allow people to understand that everybody's history matters. That's mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. We're trying to do, you know, yeah. so it's either dismissing stuff over here, you know, or it's OK. Or either we've got people who are so bitter that they can't even see the gift of people who are in front of them. Yeah. And sometimes I believe God brings people in, in our lives to help us heal. Mm-hmm. And part of that healing process is never easy. It's always kind of messy. And the mm-hmm. people who try to love on us again, who represent something that was hurtful to us. Mm-hmm. And now they're right here trying to help us. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and that this is, this is a beautiful part of the second part of your book, MJ, is that you, you talk about some practices that you learn 
um, that it open us up to this kind of deep healing and deep reconciliation. And I wonder, you know, um, we don't have to mention all of them, but one of them is this is this practice or this capacity to listen. Yes. <laughs> Can you speak a bit on that? Because, you know, when you tell adults, uh, put on your listening ears, you know, like when you tell adults that they have to learn how to <laughs> listen, most of their eyes and they're like, you know, I, you know, what do you mean? Listen, I can't turn my ears off. Um, but the way that you narrate what is necessary to actually hear and be changed by what you hear is precious. And so I just wonder if you'd speak a bit about what you're learning about how to listen. Yeah. So um, when, when I'm with people, this is what I've learned and I, and I encourage other people. Number one, you know, just really embrace a spirit of humility. You know, yeah. humility, because again, it's so easy for me to say to somebody. So I, and I'm going to put a little thing in here quickly, because I do a lot of work with people who are coming out of prison and games and stuff. Mm. And so, and so again, you know, there's that kind of thing. They're all bad or whatever. So here's what I say is that what does it mean to listen, not with our ears, but to listen from what the Lord is speaking to our hearts about? If we listen and we don't put our stuff on it, you know, to to never position ourselves above another person, because, again, mm. it is wrong. I mean, part of what I feel, number two, in our society is that everybody has an answer and they've not lived. They've not even been good listeners to walk with people. You know what I'm saying? And then I also believe so to so humility, um, mm. never positioning ourselves above culture to remember humanity, to listen to the stories. We are connected by our stories. Because what's interesting to me is, I think I love the Olympics. And so now we're in our Olympic time. And I just think, as I saw all of those countries walking in together, they're all walking in, they all have something, they're gonna be competing, but before they compete, they walk in together. Hmm. And most of the time we're competing with people and we don't listen to their stories. We're competing for our place, for our position, for our posture. I'm right. Can we let go of the need to be right? Yes. Can we let go of the need to be right and become good listeners from the heart? I And I wonder, I, I often say this, um, sometimes we allow temporary emotions that cause us to make permanent mistakes. Mm. And so our temporary emotions are, we see an image on TV of someone, we see Black Lives Matter uh, on TV and go, oh yeah, look at all that stuff, you know, going on. Or we say, we don't need to, all lives matter, blue lives matter. Well, here's my thing. Have you listened to one person's story to help them feel that their life matter? How you sit with somebody at Starbucks and, and listened. Mm. I believe a wealthy man and a homeless man can sit together because at some point in life, our stories intersect. And so I don't know you being in something now, Christy, Matt, I've seen you some on social media and followed you. But I guarantee if we took time to listen to each other's stories, there's some intersection with humanity. And so a term that I used in my book was Ubuntu. Ubuntu is a South African term. And the term means that I am because we are. So why do we keep um, annihilating the fact that we are human beings, yeah. first and foremost? And why can't we listen to each other as people who have the heart of a learner? Why can't we just say, I want to learn. I don't understand why this ticks you off like this. Can you help me understand, you know, really, what makes you so angry about this? Why, as a white female, do you feel that when you walk into a room, you feel that nobody's going to understand you? Why, as a black male, are you afraid to walk the streets at night after six? Help me, help me learn about your story. And then if you let me learn about your story, I can come in and be whatever God wants me to be in a part of that story. Mm. Mm. Yeah. What are you, Christy, what are you noticing? Man, you know what I'm first noticing is that I want to ask MJ out to coffee. That's I know, right? That's I'm like, we live, we live together and I want to hear more. I, um, when when uh, When George Floyd was killed, 
uh, I asked my mentor, who's a, a black woman, um, what do I, what do I do? That's what, that was my question as a prideful white person. And she said, listen, mm-hmm. listen. And I'd been meeting with her for years and I didn't know her story. I mean, I knew her story in the last 10 years. I didn't know her. St- I didn't know what happened to her when she was in the streets of New York. I didn't know how her husband growing up in the deep South was treated. Like I hadn't heard those stories. And I'm telling you the last year has been every time we've met, um, has been, tell me another story. Hmm. Um, there's real truth in that, that when we, I think, because when we hear people's stories, we see them as people Yes. instead of something out there or something detached from me and, and for togetherness, for unity, for community sake. Um, yeah, we need to hear a story. That's so great. Can I say one quick thing to that too? Please, please. Oh my gosh. So I was, I just was thinking it's so true. I love it. It's so rich what you said, because we all have instances where we've been hurt Mm. and where we've been the person who's been the other person, Mm. the person who's been, you know, misunderstood, trying to even advocate. Sometimes when you're you're trying to advocate for for injustice and when you're trying to be the voice and now people are coming against you and now you become the enemy, even in your own community. You know what I'm saying? Or the thing with George Floyd, because I mean, I that was a catharsis moment for the world. But you know what really stood out to me? It almost makes me cry, but I can say it and I cried. Definitely how he died. But even what was more impactful for me was a 20, perhaps a $20 fake dollar bill that the law enforcement actually came out for that. Sometimes when people are fighting and they have, they've got machetes and you call law enforcement, they're nowhere to be found. I'm just using that. And they came out for that. But a, a store owner who felt so threatened, you know, and so that part for me, again, was really yes. deeply painful. I know the persons who, who did the, the funeral. I was um, I was privy to every part of that funeral because mm-hmm. of the pastoral piece and what I do. And so it was beyond painful for me, all of it, all of it. And then there's some parts of me that I think, and yet and still, why in the midst of this do we just take this painful situation and try to throw it out and so let's move on. Everything's yeah. fine. It's not fine. It's yeah. not. And so what do we do in this world? Like you said, Christy, you know, listening, it means a lot. I tell you, I, I'll tell you this as a black woman here. You, what you just said means so much to me. It makes me want to call you immediately and say, let's have coffee. Because I feel that if I sit with you, I'm not going to be judged. I'm going to find a person where we can intersect with our lives. And maybe the two of us sitting together can become an image of what it really does look like to sit with people, to learn from people, and to start believing in people again. Yep. And that's that's the work this book does, um, Melinda Joy. I think that one of the things I've heard Mm. from my Black friends or other BIPOC friends is that um, it's it takes emotional labor sometimes to share the black experience in the world. Um, it takes emotional labor and spiritual labor to share maybe what it's like to be yeah. a female in a male dominated world. And so, um, not only do not a, mm-hmm. not all of us have like Christie's mentor or an MJ in our lives, but may, maybe maybe white people listening should should just think like, what am I asking this person to do for me? What is the cost? What is mm-hmm. the cost attached to it for them? Um, not, not saying don't ask. I'm mm-hmm. just saying like this is something that usually isn't on a white person's door. That this takes work. I, I don't know if you want to speak to that at all, MJ, and just in your mm-hmm. own life, how you, wh- when do you say yes and no, and how do you take care of yourself in the midst of this emotional labor? Mm-hmm. That is so good. Um, I was just sharing the other day. Um, with someone, I said, you know, I'm getting a little weary, a little battle fatigue, and you know, I don't want to have it. But and so, what I'm gonna let me finish my. I'll finish. 
I love being invited to tables mm-hmm. to talk about how do we move forward? What what are some solutions? But I just told someone, I said, I'm so battle fatigued because people want to hear my stories over mm-hmm. and over again. So every time I share a story about how my father was killed and how, you know, or every time I share a story about how in Colorado Springs, I had a white male, um, you know, write the N-word on my car and urinate on my car in public in a downtown place and how I had to run out there, you know, or, or the time that at our church here in Colorado Springs, we got a call that something had happened and we had signs all over our church that said KKK recently, not in, not in 1999, yeah. and how our window was bust out. They had bust out our entire sanctuary window, mm. had a real mm. go home niggers on our church, a big church in the city. And so... Mm. We we pull up to all of that stuff, KKK on mm-hmm. trees in Colorado Springs. The news reporters are there. And the painful thought of reliving stuff to try to help people understand yeah. that there is a need that have, has not been met yet and mm-hmm. that everything's not okay. You know, it's not. And so this is what I've been thinking of, Matt. So when I get invited to tables, you know, and people like, we want to learn Melinda Joy, and I love training and teaching, I will go. But part of the thing now I've started seeing is quit inviting me to tables where the menu has already been set. Mm. Mm. Yes. Why don't you invite me into the kitchen so that I can really, <laughs> really help you understand mm what we need to talk about at the table, bringing mm-hmm. people of color to the table, whatever their ethnicity or race is, and then saying, oh, we got this person here. That's window dressing. It's all yeah. it is. Yeah. You've got people sitting at a table, people of color. You listen to their stories. You give them a bag lunch. Uh, you highlight them, and then you send them home. And you never go into their communities. You never mm-hmm. go to their restaurants. You never go to places that make you feel uncomfortable. You don't go to a movie theater in what you call the hood. Mm-hmm. You'll go to a movie theater that makes you feel comfortable. You will eat in a restaurant. And, and, and for me, I'm like, if you really want to be a part of the change, step out of your comfort. Step out of that thing. Don't even call it a zone no more. I don't even want to call it a zone because you got more than a zone. Sometimes we have more than that. <laughs> Step out of that place yeah. of comfort and, yeah. and, and be willing to be discomforted. Be willing to invite me into a kitchen. Be willing to invite me to say, this is what we need to talk about. Don't set the agenda and then invite me to speak after the menu has been set. It's dishonoring to us as people mm. of color. It's, it's this honoring that you want our lived experiences, you want us to talk about. And we leave and we're all battle fatigued. And then we have to really pray that stuff off because we don't want the spirit of anger to be on us. You know, I, I would say I don't. So so I think for me, Matt, that's the thing. I want to come to a table, but don't bring me to a placebo table just mm-hmm. to be checking the box to say we mm-hmm. had a black woman there. We had Dr. Melinda Joy. And the thing I tell people, I'm very authentic about this. Yes, I have a PhD, but oh my God, the journey of that, you know, getting kicked out of college because someone said to me, oh, you're just a troublemaker. You know, even my bachelor's Mm. degree, I stood up for justice. I was like, you guys are wrong. Mm. You're talking about these people like they have a tail and you're wrong. And so they kicked me out of college. And my last class for my bachelor's degree, they barred me from the campus I didn't get to walk with my my classmates. I didn't get my class ring pictures. I had to come back a year later and petition my degree because I told the professor, you're being disruptive in classroom. And he said, "You will, nobody ever talks to me like that in class, so I will make your life miserable. And he did. So my thought is, again, we don't know the price that people have paid to be a voice in front. Mm-hmm. Like, like you, Matt, this will say it. Because I, I follow you, yeah. there's a price to be a voice of truth. And most people aren't willing to pay that price. We're willing to say, come alongside in a seminar to be on a Zoom thing. But when you put yourself out there and you say, listen, I'm going for it, 
I know mm -hmm. that I am called to make a difference and I'm called to forge that difference. Most differences don't happen unless Can we I, forge them. Come on. Give her give that her plenty of room. I, I want to just was, reflect back two important things I heard. Um, to make sure I heard you right. And also if I did to punctuate them. The first is um, the, the question that needs to be asked before you invite a person of color to the table is who owns the table? Like whose table is it? So the question isn't about um, diversity so much or even opportunity. It's a question of power. Who's in charge of this table and what yes. work is what I'm bringing doing for you? And the second thing I, right. And so that really the second thing is, all right, is, is what you're asking me to bring to this table? Is it just this like experience? Is it, are you just going to consume this? Right. Like we love to, uh, cause you know, if I can speak on behalf of some white people, we actually do like to hear these stories from time to time and they give us sort of these, uh, these tingly experiences. I mean, there's a lot of Western Christianity that delights in this experience of guilt so there's almost this rhythm we have or pattern we have to sort of accentuate our own guilt. And then we kind of run to uh, various things that we use to alleviate that. Uh, but what I hear you saying is um, true transformational change through relationships happens when, uh, when the invitation comes with not just responsibility at the table, hey, share your story, but authority at the table. What should we cook? How should we set this? Who sits where? Yeah? Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's really it. Because I was talking to a friend of mine. She's a professor. And she said, MJ, she said, there's such this thing, uh, such a fallacy now about, oh, let's just give people of color to the table. She said, and I'm like so tired of it. Why? Do you value what I'm going to bring? Will you let me even bring it the way that I am, who I am? Do I have mm -hmm. to bring it? Do I have to check my identity at the door and, and have to bring it in a white way or a whatever kind of way or or in a conservative way or whatever kind of way? Can I be myself? You know, I, I, um, I did a training recently and it, it was a great training. And one of the things I said to them is, don't think that uh, people of color are just trying to get an agenda across all the time. Can you realize that maybe we are looking at our world today and saying that we really need to forge some change here, that we can't continue to, to con continue to be you know like this? Maybe maybe we are just saying that we want to come, but we're tired of coming and being devalued. We're tired of coming and feeling like we're just a part. It's even with my book. I wrote my book. I was homeless when I wrote my book. I was sleeping in my car in the, in the and Christy will know, the Walmart, Walmart on Palmer Park in Powers. Yeah. I was sleeping in my car. I had a situation in a, in a house that I was in, long story short. Anyway, I was put out in one day because someone mm -hmm. just had this thing angry at black people angry and so said you gotta leave right now so it displaced me immediately but anyway i ended up in in a bad place and the bad place being in a walmart parking lot and all i want to say is that i tell people you may see a book but if you really want to know why this book came to be, I want to tell you my story of how I was sleeping in my car in the parking lot. And can you still yes. value me when I yeah, tell you that well, I was uh, The book again is called The Colors of Culture, The Beauty of Diverse Friendships by Dr. Melinda Joy Mingo. Uh, Melinda Joy, thank you so much for sharing time with us today, for uh, offering at our table. I mean, this is clearly the Gravity Leadership Podcast, and you are our guest here, and we are so appreciative of what you brought. Mm -hmm. um, how can people <laughs> connect with you and find you out on the interwebs? Mm -hmm. Yes. So let's see. For, um, okay. my, let's see the best way. So I'm on LinkedIn, and you can just type in Melinda Joy on LinkedIn. Uh, I am on Facebook. It's Melinda Joy, and my last name is Mingo. I'm on Twitter, um, Melinda Joy Mingo. And so a lot of things that I do, speaking engagements as well, 
it's on Twitter. And if you want to email me, if, if none of that makes sense to you, <laughs> then you can email me at melindajoy373 at gmail.com. Well, Melinda Joy, <laughs> thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, it seems like uh, Christy, at least, has written down that email, and we'll be contacting you shortly. Uh, but bless you, and bless your work there in Colorado Springs. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Great to hear from you. Thanks so yeah, much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke, Matt Tebby, and Ben Hardman. Aaron Sternke does our mixing and mastering. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. If you find our podcast helpful, share it with your friends in person and on social media. And don't forget to rate and review us online as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, make a comment, send us an idea, a recommendation, recipe, whatever. You can email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.